And now, another timely and powerful message from Pastor Emmanuel Williams and Imitators of God Ministries, Colossal Vivacious Church in Tallahassee. It reads, And Stephen, full of faith and power, that's a good thing, amen, to be full of faith and full of power. Acts chapter 6, verses 8 to 11, did great wonders and miracles among the people, full of faith and full of power. Amen. Prerequisite for doing great wonders and miracles among the people. How many of you would agree that God is still, still doing wonders and miracles? And there are still those who are full of faith and power. Amen. Glory be to Jesus. Hallelujah. Verse 9 says, Then there arose certain of the synagogue. You know, sometimes when that happens, you find yourself, Amen, you, sometimes you, you, <laughs> when that happens to you, you attract bad publicity. Hmm? Glory be to Jesus. Verse 9 says, Then there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines, the synagogue of the Cyrenians, the synagogue of the, of the Alexandrians, the synagogue of those who are in Cilicia, the Cilicians. That's where Paul is from. You remember, Tarsus, Cilicia, Paul. Uh, well, called Saul. Amen? Before converting. Those of the synagogue of Asia, and they were disputing with Stephen. Verse 10 says, And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. Isn't that a blessing? Verse 11 said, Then they suborned, they hired and told people what to say. That's what the word suborned mean. Which said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. That's not true. Amen. They could not resist the wisdom of Stephen and consequently because they were hurt, because they lost, they were not victorious. <laughs> they could not defend their faith. They got hurt, amen? And um, hired people to lie. May the Lord add a blessing to his word, amen? Many of you know Stephen. He was one of the seven men chosen among the Hellenistic and when I say Hellenistic I mean Greek speaking Jews there were Greek speaking Jews they were called the Hellenist and there were Hebrew or Aramaic speaking Jews amen they call them real Jews Orthodox Jews but we had the Hellenist and the Greek Jews were Jews but they lived all over Europe and they now converged in Jerusalem amen the book of Acts is the book of action we know that Amen. God saved. And, and the Bible says that uh, uh, the Jews, sorry, not the Jews, but Stephen, he was chosen by the early church to supervise the daily distribution of food to those in need. He was chosen to work in the pantry. Isn't, isn't, isn't that correct? The Bible says he was chosen to, as one of the seven to supervise the daily distribution. But he was anointed below, be, beyond the pantry. Are you getting what I'm saying, brothers and sisters? You see, it's not where you start. It's what you do after you start. You see, you, 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 you cannot steer a parked car. Are you getting what I'm saying? You got to start serving somewhere so God could properly position you. You cannot steer a parked car. The car has to be in motion so it can be steered. And you cannot let where you are define what you do now define who you are. You got to know who you are in Christ. 
And that's what Stephen knew. Stephen said, I'm just serving in the pantry, but I was born for more than this. <laughs> uh, are you getting what I'm saying, saints? Anointed to serve behind, beyond the pantry. Uh, what about you and I? We have four moments before the year ends. What about us? Are we anointed to serve beyond where we are? Are we just existing? Let me ask you, saints. Brothers and sisters, are you all in? We need to ask, are you all in? And you don't tell me you're all in. I watch you and, I'll and we can know whether or not you're all in. Saying all in doesn't mean nothing. It's living like you're all in. That's what means everything. And so day after day, he came. And when he left the pantry, he went straight to the synagogue. It's not written here, but you can see from his speech given in Acts chapter 7. As soon as he did what he had to do for the Lord, he went to the synagogue, sat there, sat there all day, listened to the reading of the word, listened to the exposition of the word, prayed and fasted with the saints all day. And God said, because he has done 2 Timothy 2.15, 2 Timothy 2.15 says, study to show yourself approved. A workman who is not to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth that's what stephen could do stephen could rightly divide the truth they could not they were stuck in the old testament mm -hmm. they were stuck under the law and here stephen is teaching that the only sacrifice we need is jesus we don't need lambs and bulls and goats no more animal no more no more sacrificial uh, no more sacrificing of animals no more animal blood we have we have the blood of jesus and that covers everything folk got mad because it's coming against religion, their religion, their way of thinking. How many of you would agree that change sometimes is hard to embrace? Yeah, change is hard to embrace sometimes. And so, you know, his name means uh, 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 that which surrounds. Stephen, that which surrounds like a crown or like a wreath. He rapidly stood out by his grace, miracles and wisdom in speaking and by the Holy Spirit's presence in him. Some felt threatened. And got upset at the forcefulness and viability of Stephen's ministry. What Stephen did, brothers and sisters, is what I want to submit to you this morning. Stephen didn't start working in the pantry and got catapulted to where he did because he did nothing. There is a little advice given to us by the Apostle Peter in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. I'm talking too fast. Let me slow down. It's because I have the communion on mind. So let me slow down. Amen. There is some advice that Peter gave us in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. And the advice is to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory now and forever. Amen. What was the advice the Apostle Peter gave? Let, let, let me back up. The advice the Holy Spirit gave through the Apostle Peter. Is that all right? Because the author of the book is the Holy Spirit. Don't you ever forget that. I read, I read a lot. And every time I read, I hear these scholars saying it's Paul who wrote, it's Peter who wrote, and it's, and, and it's James who wrote. And I'm saying, no, 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 you're missing it. The Holy Spirit wrote through these men. Amen? And so the advice the Holy Spirit gave in Second uh, Peter 3.18 is to grow in grace and in the knowledge. How many of you know it takes effort to grow? Are you with me? It takes effort to grow. Brothers and sisters, gone are the day where you think knowledge just comes from God and it comes from the air and it surrounds your head and bam, it goes in your head. 
I know you're laughing, but that's what we were taught growing up. Let me tell you why I never wanted to be a preacher. I never wanted to be a preacher. This is why. Because the other ministers I served with, whenever it was their time to preach, for some reason, Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, I would say, Pass, what, what is I came to church and I was excited. What, what has the Lord laid on your heart to teach this morning? The Lord hasn't spoken. 10 o'clock, he hasn't spoken. 10.30, Pass, what? The Lord hasn't spoken. 10.50, oh, I got a word from the Lord. Now, 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 I said to myself, I have enough pressure in my life to get added pressure to get a word 10 minutes to preach to God people. So I never wanted to be a preacher. As I read along, I realized, no, there is a time of preparation that has to take place. And we have to be told, especially for what we're experiencing now. In this season, we need to prepare, prepare, prepare. Because we are not sure what's coming down the road. The Bible says, in the last days, perilous times shall come. I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, because the Bible says it is going to happen. And if we are not ready for perilous days, we'll be tossed to and thrown. Some of us might even lose our salvation. Not Stephen. He took the advice the Apostle Peter gave. The Holy Spirit, sorry, through the Apostle Peter. And this is, I, I, I like linking these verses together. Because Stephen took the advice and grew in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He became strong in God and in the power of his might. Ephesians 6.10. He became what? Strong in God. Ephesians 6.10 says, what, what, what it says? Be strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might. Because Stephen grew in grace. And in knowledge he was strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might. And because he was strong. Notice he was strong in the Lord. Not strong in himself. You know, we, we have to make that clear. Are you with me? It is faith in God. Not your own faith. Are you getting what I'm saying? I think the problem we have. The reason, the reason why most of us our Christians. Our lives are like a roller coaster like this. Is because we are strong in ourselves. We are not strong in God. Brother, when you're strong in God, your, your life is not like this right here. <laughs> Come what me? Standing on the rock. Jesus is the rock. On, on Christ, the solid rock I stand. All of the ground is sinking sand. Your strength in yourself is sinking sand. Your faith in yourself is sinking sand. Your faith in God will keep you standing after the dust settles. <laughs> oh, that's what we need in these last days. People who are taking their time to prepare. And so what's ha what happened is, what happened was, his fame went out. People started getting healed. Amen. And the devil took notice. How many of you know the devil takes notice of that? Amen. He took notice. And John 14, 12, before I get to the text. John 14, 12 tells us, it says, verily, verily. You remember that verse? I say unto you, he that believeth for it. On me, what shall happen? Yeah, the works that I do, he shall do, and greater works than these, because I go to my father. And that's what that's what we are seeing happening in Stephen's life. 
Mm, that's what's happening. The same works Jesus did. The great sign and one signs and wonders Jesus did is happening in Stephen's life. Now I want to bring that to your attention. Stephen was not called to be a preacher. Stephen was not a pastor, an apostle, an evangelist, a prophet. Are you with me? Stephen was not interested in getting a title. Title without power means nothing. Uh, you get one. Some people, uh, some of us in church, I know for me for a while, I was in a state of paralysis because I was not given a, 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 a title like elder or pastor. And so I was in a state of paralysis because I thought a title made me. No, I make titles. What matters is the power of God. You got to know that you're anointed beyond where you are. <laughs> uh, and in the right time when God sees it fit he'll pluck you from behind and bring you at the front and use you I'm not telling you something somebody told me or I heard I have seen it happen over and over and over again but there's got to be a time of preparation there's got to be a time of what? preparation and that's what we miss. Amen. That's what we miss, brothers and sisters. So we are told here um, that Stephen, after they heard of these miracles, verse 9 tells us, told us what happened. We just left verse 8. Verse 9 says, Then there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines. He mentioned five synagogues. Five synagogues. There was an alliance five churches can i use churches because that's what we have today five the, the elite minds elite minds m-i-n-d-s of five ch churches came together formed an alliance to come against stephen now before i get into exactly what they were disputing i want to tell you here I need to give you some definition and some meaning so you'll to bring the richness and the beauty from the from the text is that all right we are told that there were five synagogues what is a synagogue who are the libertines who are the cyrenians who are the alexandrians the cilicians and those from asia who are these asians the synagogue a synagogue what is it contrary to popular opinion a synagogue is more than what we think it is the synagogue was the place Sorry, was the most important institution in the life of a Jew. It was the center of worship for the Jew, yet it was also the center of learning and education. A synagogue was a school and a church. Services and discussions, business meetings were held there daily in the synagogues. Whenever, wherever Jews were scattered over the world, every colony, no matter how small, had its own synagogue. You, you keep asking why there are churches around every corner. That's been going on a long time long long time tell somebody there's nothing wrong with that nothing wrong with that and i'm going to show you why in a while nothing wrong with that amen glory be to jesus i prefer there be many churches than no churches at all well let me move and some cities had many synagogues. Jerusalem, for example. In Jerusalem, only at that time, according to the Talmud, there were 480 churches. Let me say it again. 480 synagogues. Just in Jerusalem, just during that time, according, according to the Talmud. Can you... Let me move along. 
180 of them. Many synagogues, like the five just mentioned, had Hellenist Jews. Amen. We said Hellenist Jews were Greek-speaking Jews. The Jews, they had left Jerusalem, went to Europe, came back, got saved, and they formed because they had different cultures. They stood together and formed the synagogue. The requirement for synagogue was 10 men. If there were 10 men, you could form a synagogue. Not nine, not nine and a half. <laughs> There's got to be 10 men. Amen? And ladies, uh, uh, um, I know you're looking. No ladies? Yes. <laughs> it was a, a male-driven, male-dominant society. Not God's best. Amen? But God had to do with the best men gave him. Praise God. Sometimes you have to clarify the gospel. Because I know we have wonderful women of God in our midst and they're wondering, no women? <laughs> oh yes, God has always had women on his heart. We are the men, some of us who refuse to recognize the, the anointing and the power of God in their lives. But not here at Imitators of God Ministries. We celebrate everybody. Amen? God is a wonderful God. Amen. So the Bible says here, it says an, a synagogue, a synagogue service included prayers, scripture reading, and a lecture. And sometimes these distinguished persons and local strangers were invited to take part in the service. You remember when Jesus came in Luke chapter, don't turn there, Luke chapter 4 verse 16. It says, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and he, as his custom, he went into the synagogue. Amen. Jesus himself used the synagogue a lot as a as a as a as an evangelistic uh, um, as a place to evangelize. He used it a lot. It was also the strategy of Paul. Paul did the same thing. Jesus did it. Paul did it. And many researchers seem to think that Stephen was either a member or must have preached in one of these synagogues. Amen. Who are the Libertines. The word libertinos was a was a Roman freedman. These were Roman slaves who were freed and they formed their own synagogue. So it was called the synagogue of the freedmen. Another word for libertines is freedmen. So these men were once slaves owned by Rome, released, and now they formed their own synagogues. Amen. Are you with me, saints? They were descendants of Jewish slaves captured by Pompey the Great in 63 BC. Who was Pompey? Pompey was a great, uh, 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 a great Roman general. And he captured a lot of these men and released them later. And they, they came to Jerusalem, these Jews, and formed their own synagogue. They could identify with one another. Amen. Who are the synagogue? Those who from, who are those from the synagogue of the Cyrenians and the Alexandrians? They were. Uh, uh, um, Alexandria and Cyrene were two cities north, north of Africa. There were Jews in north of Africa who came back to Jerusalem. And because of culture, because culture, because they were, because of cultural barriers and uh, linguistic barriers, they came together and formed their own synagogues. Amen. These North Africans. So that is why we have um, uh, those who, who are from the synagogue of the Cyrenians and the Alexandrians. Uh, I had one other note here for you. Apollos. You remember the Apollos? Apollos was from Alexandria. You remember Apollos? He was mighty in words, but he did not have the Holy Ghost. And so Priscilla and Aquila took him in, a very humble man, and taught him the New Testament. He was mighty in words and deeds. Amen? 
but had no Holy Ghost. Lord have mercy. But yes, he was still power. Powerful, sorry. So he was from Alexandria. I just want to, you know, bring the richness of this to you. Now, now, who are those from Cilicia and Asia? Cilicia and Asia were Roman provinces in Asia Minor. You know, Paul's hometown was in Tarsus of Cilicia. There were Jews in Cilicia, like Paul, amen, who came down to Jerusalem and they formed their own synagogue. Amen. Paul was, listen brothers and sisters, Paul was present for the events surrounding Stephen's trial. You remember that? Paul was the one whom all the courts were laid at his feet. For that matter, some commentators seem to think that Paul was one of them arguing with Stephen. But because he was Saul, not anointed as yet, Stephen crushed him. <laughs> ah, glory be to God. Because Stephen, the Bible says, they could not resist the wisdom. The Holy Ghost was talking through Stephen. It doesn't matter how educated you are, you a man who has revelation knowledge from God is not at the mercy of a never at the mercy of a man who has a sexual education never <laughs> oh glory be to Jesus and so Paul was there now you have to read between the lines because he was one of Gamaliel he was Gamaliel's top student so he must have been part of the debate, the dispute. But Paul lost and Paul himself was mad. That is why he encouraged the guys to stone Stephen to death. Chapter 7 and chapter 8. We'll get there shortly. Amen. But I need you to see what's playing down. I need you to see what's going on here. And so five of them, they came together. Now, like I said, why are there so many places? Why were there so many places of worship back there? It's because there was a drastic difference between the groups of people. As I said, it culturally and linguistically amen let's go to verse 9 is what i want to get into verse 9 uh verse 9 the last part of verse 9 says they came together the alliance men from five different churches came together the smartest men from all these churches came together and they were disputing with stephen the word disputing here means it it, it doesn't mean that there was a quarrel a quarrel it means a reasoning together to question with one another they were discussing a matter they sat met somewhere and they were discussing you got let's say at least 20 men uh, 25 five churches five five 25 at least five of five 25 men against one man and the bible tells us they could not resist the wisdom and the spirit Amen. I wanted to show you where that word disputing is also used. It's used in Mark, in Luke chapter 24, verse 15. So you'll have an idea. In Luke 24, 15, it says here, on the road to Emmaus, on the road to Emmaus, you remembered when Jesus met the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. The Bible said Jesus met them together and they reasoned. That word reasoned is the same word disputing. So it's not an argument. They were not no loud talking they met and they were discussing the scripture philip was well versed in jewish history he took time to study the word of god he was versed in jewish history and i'm saying that because maybe you didn't experience that but i grew up i grew up where i was told you don't have to study god will tell you what to say at the right time and i didn't realize you first have to deposit it in you so god can bring it up i was not told that I just thought it floated in the air and, all, and it hit me. 
it, it doesn't happen that way. The Bible says the kingdom of God is like a man who sowed the seeds. There's got to be seed sowing. And the seed is the word. I'm sharing something with you brothers and sisters. God works with those who put in the labor and the effort. He doesn't encourage apathy. And I think, I think this is still going on in the church. Amen. It's still going on in the church. We lack discipline to sit down and study. Let me, let me tell you why I'm so passionate about that. About 25, I was about 25 years old. And um, I've had, I've, I had some victories. I had gotten healed from a hernia. I had, men had gotten healed. I had laid hands on people. I had fasted for 10 days, only milk. And I would seen the hand of God move. And I thought I had arrived. So I walked around talking you know, loud about God. God is good. He's worthy to be praised. Testifying about the power of God. And I met a Seventh-day Adventist. Seventh-day Adventist who was schooled in the not in the Bible, but in Seventh-day Adventist. And then we met because he's always he's, al he's always always been looking for somebody to argue with. And I fell for it. That was 25 years ago. I was a novice then. And he came. And then I said, No, Saturday is not the Sabbath. Sunday is this. He said, I'm not shouting. Now I was shouting. He said, I'm not, I'm not shouting. I'm going to show you from the Bible what I believe. And the man went down, down methodically, showed me what he believed. Then he took the Bible and shoved it in my bosom and said to me, show me what you believe. And everybody around me started saying, ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> And the truth surfaced. I began shaking. I didn't know one scripture verse in church for 10, 15 years. I said, not anymore. I began to read the Bible and I began to see how these men, I saw how Peter preached and memorized the entire Psalms chapter 16 in his preaching. They didn't have the Bible. Are you with me? They took time. Are you getting what I'm saying, saints? And I'm asking you as a church, gone are the days where you shout and talk about them and cannot defend the faith. You and I have a responsibility. First Peter 3.15, First Peter 3.15, it says, sanctify yourself and be prepared to give a defense. You remember that verse? It says you have to be prepared to give a defense for the hope that lies in you. With Right here. Thank you so much. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Set yourself aside. Do your homework. Make God priority. Make the word of God priority in your heart. And be ready always. When? Always. To give an answer to every man. I did not have an answer. Every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you. How? With meekness and fear. The man said to me, I'm not shouting. Now I was shouting. It wasn't meek and it wasn't with respect. And he said, I'm not shouting, sir. Just show me. You need to ask yourself. If you're presented with that case, just show me. Can you do that? Can you articulate your faith? Since you hear what I'm saying, it is time to wake up. This is the time when our COVID is everywhere. Are you with me? We are living. We need to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. God knows what else the devil is trying to throw at us. Now is the time to do an evaluation and say, am I strong in the Lord? 
and in the power of his might. Have I grown in grace? Have I grown in favor? Have I done like Jesus in Luke 2 52? He grew in wisdom, such and favor with God and men. Is that happening to me? Because believe it or not, you are anointed to serve further than where we are. All of us. But I'll tell you this much. You will not be without the word of God. Because when you open your mouth, people know who you are and what you've been doing. I'm just sensitive. You know what I'm saying? Gone are the days where we, where we, where the days for tricks are over. Now are the days for truth. Are you getting what I'm saying since? People are looking for truth. Can you take it at your faith? Can you teach the word? Do you have a word for those who are weary? Strengthened people. Discouragement. Oh, I said, God is good. God is good. God is good. God is good. God will work it out. He'll work it out. He'll work it out. <laughs> look, we look around and we see the sun and we know God is good. You don't have to say that 50 times. The sun is out. God is good. <laughs> I arrived here this morning. God is good. <laughs> oh, glory be to you. Since are you getting what I'm saying? I'm trying, I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to motivate us in the right direction. In the right direction. Amen? So, so Luke does not give us the content of the debate. Amen? Some of Stephen's argument can be inferred from what he said in verse 13 to 14. And so they must have been speaking about uh, the death and resurrection, the messiahship of Jesus, and the, the inability of the Mosaic law and the temple ritual to save. That's what Stephen was talking about. Stephen told the guys, look, Jesus is the substance that fulfill all the types and shadows of the Old Testament. There is no need for these. And they got so mad because they had not understand. They had not done their study. But Stephen was well versed in Jewish history. Amen? Verse 10. Let's do verse 10 quickly before we get to communion. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit which he spake there, referring to the alliance of the five synagogues. Resist means to overpower, oppose, withstand. They could not stand against him. This reminds me of a quote. Have you heard of a guy called Leonard Ravenhill? He said, a man with experience of God is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. Leonard, Leonard Ravenhill, a man with an experience of God is never at the mercy of a man or a woman with an argument. You see, I had an argument back then. It, I had no knowledge of God. There's a difference between knowledge of God and knowledge about God. Many of us are interested in knowledge about God. You can get that second hand from everybody. Like you're getting now, that's knowledge about God. Now when you sit at the house... And you mind the treasures of God. And you open the Bible. And the teacher shows up. Which is the Holy Ghost. Now you start getting knowledge of God. <laughs> I'm not saying you cannot get the tools here. You can get the tools here. Are you with me? God ordained church. Are you with me saints? And so here we give as much as we can. But you and I we have a responsibility to do our work at the house. And not talk about always being tired. I was, I was, um, a friend and I were talking this week. And we know each other long, kids. And he said, you know, thinking about it. You know, we never miss church. Not Wednesday or Sunday. 
He, we were just talking. And he said to me, he said, I can count three or two Sundays I was out for 52 weeks. Or maybe one or two Wednesdays out for 52 weeks. We were just talking. And the reason why church now has become an imposition on people's personal life. Yeah. <laughs> can, can I speak the truth or can I speak the truth? Church is now an imposition on people. Church is not attending church. Brothers and sisters, you hear me? I'm not. I'm just trying to motivate us, motivate, us, motivate us in the right direction. Are you with me, saints? But we have to be obedient to God. We have to make it prior. What God tells us to make priority, we have to make priority. And he was just talking to me and I'm saying, whoa, my goodness. And this is his aim. His aim was just like I can take coffee at 8 in the morning to keep me up. So I can stay working. I can take one cup of coffee one week on Wednesday night to be at church on Wednesday night. That was his goal. That's his goal. He said, I took it every morning to go to work so I can get alive. Why should I say I'm tired when it comes to 6 o'clock to be one night? Some, some people, you see some people are getting places with God. There's something they're doing behind the scenes. Long time ago, I learned that success leaves clues. And everybody, every preacher, everybody I see doing well. Oh, ah, where I want to, I ask them questions because I know there are clues that I can get. Are you getting what I'm saying, saints? There are clues. There is a law. The law of progress. Well, let me move forward here. Let me move forward here. And I'm saying this because it is going to get... Uh, it is going to get progressively. I didn't say that. Jesus said it's going to get progressively worse. In the latter days. In the last days. Perilous times. Shall come. It's not if or when. It's going to come. And you and I must be found. Sure footed. When it comes. That's what one commentator said about Stephen. He was grounded in the word of God. He was grounded in the word of God. Yes, he knew Jewish, Jewish history. He studied. Where he studied? He studied in the synagogue. Stephen was an ordinary man. Stephen didn't go to seminary. He did not attend seminary. Did Stephen attend seminary? No, an ordinary man who took God serious. Guess who can do that? Every one of us here. Stephen, there were no Bibles back then. Stephen attended the synagogue every time it was open. So he could hear the word of God read. Heard and sat attentively. And as God's word was read, the Holy Spirit somewhere, the Holy Ghost somewhere, somehow, was able to impart knowledge to him. He was able to retain all the history. Have you read chapter 7? I remember um, in, in, in 1997, I was at the Center for Biblical Study in Tallahassee. And, um, and we were at the seminary and we were studying. And it occurred to me, we were going through Stephen's speech. And it just occurred to me, hey, we are in seminary. Going through a man who never went to seminary's sermon. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Because why? He was anointed of God. He had revelation knowledge. That's all we're asking. That's all, we, that's all I'm talking about, saints. Revelation knowledge. What is happening with Stephen is what Jesus said in Luke 24. Give me three more minutes and I'll be done. That's what Jesus said. A direct fulfillment 
of the promise Jesus made to his disciples in Luke 21 15. Can you turn to Luke 21 15 quickly? Jesus said this in Luke chapter 21 verse 15. He said, for I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay nor resist. Jesus said, I'm going to give that to you. I'm going to give you the words. The Holy Spirit was in Stephen speaking. And they could, can you talk? Can you, can you win God? You can't. God talking through his vessel? You can't. And that's what was happening. But not without Stephen doing the work behind the scenes. You have to do the work. The Bible says we are laborers together. Are you with me? We are laborers together. It's work. Laborers. Talking about work together with God. I remember all these years. And I think that I always, I always say that. But I got to thank God for my wife. Because brothers and sisters, not many females would have stood with me when I was in my pursuit. God had laid on my heart in the 1990s to pursue him. I used to leave the house. I used to leave my wife almost every night. Especially Friday night when everybody goes out and relax. Just leave at the house and leave and go to the church. Would read and study from about 8.30 8 to 2 in the morning for 5 to 7 years consecutively. And just leave at the house. And sometimes she would tell me, I would sit there behaving like I want to stay with her, you know. And uh, she would say, I know, she said, I know you don't want to be here. You can go. Before she said, you can go, I'm out the door. And I'm looking back. <laughs> I'm looking back and I'm saying, I thank God. Are you with me, saints? Not every female. Are you with me? Well, so, well most of you females in here would say, yes, go, pastor, yeah. But at the time, we had just got married. Are you with me? <laughs> but you see, it, it, it was a prompting on my heart. I didn't know what God was doing, but I felt that so strong. And I had to follow it. I know many of you are feeling the very same thing. But we ignore it. Let me say it again. Many of you are feeling the very same thing. <laughs> but we ignore it. Amen. I'm going to show you something I spoke with, I spoke about on Wednesday, and I'll come to, I'll I'll bring it to an end. On Wednesday evening, we saw in Revelation. I just touched on it, touched on it on Wednesday. On Wednesday evening, we saw in Revelation chapter chapter 15, verse 2. Can you go to Revelation chapter 15 verse 2? I'm going to show you the importance of God's word. Revelation chapter 15 verse 2. It says, that is, that's John speaking. John saying, and I saw as it were a sea of glass mingled with fire. He's saying in, in front of God's throne. Hmm? He saw a sea of glass. Crystal. I mean, just clear crystal. And them that had gotten the victory over the beast and over his image and over his mark and over his number, the number of his name, stand on the sea of glass, having the harps of God. He's saying, I saw the saints who overcome the devil, the overcomers. I saw them standing on the sea of glass, praising God. They had harps, praising God. The sea of glass in Revelation is the same as the brazen lava in the old testament in the temple because we said in heaven there's a temple exactly as god told moses you remember that i'm about to make a point here because i want to show you how important the word of god is and so the brass lava was where the priest had to wash his feet and their hands because it was a dusty place they had no concrete it was dust amen so before they went in the presence of god they had to wash their hands and wash their feet 
Amen. Then they went in the presence of God. Well, Ephesians chapter 5 verse 26 tells us that Jesus washes the church with the water of the word. Are you getting what I'm saying? That's how he sanctifies the church. That's how he makes the church clean and present it to himself by the washing of the word. So this is telling us the only way you can overcome the devil and overcome his tricks is by standing on the word. God is sending us a clear message. Stand on the word. Stephen went through what we call the immersion process. You remember we spoke about that. Just immersing yourself in the environment of the word. So much so when you, you turn your vehicle into a classroom. And you know what I'm saying? You turn your vehicle into a classroom. So while your vehicle is driving, you have a good sermon, a good tip. Or maybe the books of the Bible listening to. Are you with me? Because you are engaging now in the immersion process. Is that alright? While you're walking, instead of listening to Diana Ross or somebody, while you are, <laughs> you get yourself a good preaching tip. Are you with me, saints? Some good Bible study and you're walking. It's called the immersion process. And as you do that, and I tell you, give yourself five years. Five years, see what will happen to you. You do that diligently for five years, your life will change. And I'm ending with one story. When we started this church at TCC in 2011, I met one of the officers. I have his name, but I won't divulge his name. Many of you will know him. He was an officer. He's a, he was an officer then when I met him. I think he still is now. And he said to me, he's a Christian. We were having Bible study on Wednesday evening. He came up to me and he said, Pastor, I have my can I give you my testimony? I said, go ahead. He said, you see... the." me now as an officer i was not he said three four years ago i was homeless i was beneath a bridge homeless beneath a bridge and i was begging god and he said to me i left the bridge came up and then i met christians who were giving out gideon bibles and he said the man one of the guys took a bible and gave it to him and said read it it'll change your life and he said well i was poor i didn't have anything i went back beneath the bridge and I began to read the Bible 10, 15 hours a day. He said to me, the first year I read, nothing happened. The second year, nothing happened. He said, the third year I opened the Bible. He said, it just jumped out at me. He said, immediately I knew exactly what I had to do. He said, I was born to be an officer. He said, you wouldn't pay me to do anything else. How did that happen? He said, now I'm married. Three kids. I have a big house. From homelessness. <laughs> All he did was immerse himself. Let me tell you, brothers and sisters, we know who, we know who those, we know those who are, who are not. Or let me say, time will tell. Just time. Time will tell, brothers and sisters. I am appealing to you because I, there is for some reason there is a sense that the devil is bringing his behind the scenes working on something and we cannot be caught of God we have to start the emotion process now so we can speak a word in due season are you with me speak a word with power and authority we do have proverbs proverbs uh, 23 is it 23 7 
Oh, how did I forget that? Death and life lies in the power of the tongue. Uh, not 23-7, 23-7. Man, wow. Anyhow, he says death and life lies in the power of the tongue. Amen? How did I forget which scripture verse that is from? Death and life. I know it's in Proverbs. Thank you so much. Proverbs 18, 21. Thank you so much. Death and life lies in the what? Power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat the fruit thereof. Whatever you love saying, you will get. If you love speaking God's word, you'll get lots of what it, the fruit of it. If you love talking your mind, you'll get a lot of what you talk about. Now you can be humble and say, you know, let me agree with God. God knows best. Let me just say what God says. And just, and just rip the fruit. Or not. <laughs> Amen. But I'm, I'm admonishing you to be like Stephen. Stephen, I will tell you, was one of my secret heroes. Because Stephen was an ordinary man. Not called out to be a preacher like anybody else. Jesus didn't tell Stephen, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. No, he didn't tell Stephen that. You know what Jesus told one of the men he who told, you know what he told one of the men whom he told, follow me? He said, it is more blessed for those who do that see and believe. He told Thomas, Thomas, Thomas Didymus, he said, Thomas, it is blessed are those who did not see and yet believe. Blessed are those who did not see with their physical eyes, but you see with your heart. Lord, we thank you for the power of your word. Please take time to meditate on the word and let it sink into your heart and soul and mind today. Knowing that the Christian who meditates on the word will be like a tree planted by the water, bringing forth fruit in its season and prospering in all that he does. But what if you aren't a Christian today? What if you don't know if you're bound for heaven as a forgiven child of God? If that's you, then let's take care of it right now if you're ready. Do you believe that Jesus died for your sins? Are you ready to be forgiven of your sins and washed clean and made new? Are you ready to begin your new life in Christ? Then turn to God right now and say, Lord, I love you. I need you. I repent of my sins. Lord, please forgive me and wash me clean. I receive your forgiveness right now as I put my faith in Jesus as my Savior. God, please lead me and teach me and show me how to live from now on. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And if you're looking for a good church family, you'll be welcomed with open arms at Imitators of God Ministries, Colossal Vivacious Church in Tallahassee, located at 4750 Capital Circle Southeast near Tram Road. Sunday school begins for all ages at 10 a.m. and the morning service begins at 11. And the Wednesday evening service begins at 7. This is a life-giving, multicultural, multi-generational church where people of all races, backgrounds, and walks of life come together to worship, to be inspired in their love for God, to develop relationships, and to be empowered to live out God's purpose for their lives. Find more information on their website, imitatorsofgodministries.com, or call the church, 850-408-8496.